Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Queen podcast. Today, I am thrilled to have a very special guest join us on the podcast, Anya Stoddard. Anya is an advocate for mindfulness and meditation. She's used these powerful tools to create profound changes not only within herself, but also in her relationships. Through the practice of meditation, Anya has embarked on a journey of profound self-understanding, a journey that has led her to a deeper comprehension of those around her. As she discovered her capacity for compassion, she observed how it radiated outwards, positively impacting her loved ones and sparking a ripple effect in her own life. She is here today to share her experience and to explain how she used meditation to foster understanding and compassion and to offer insight into how these practices can enhance our own lives. So I am incredibly excited for her to share her wisdom with us. So let's get started, shall we? Welcome to the Awaken Your Inner Queen podcast. I'm your host, Jen Van Veen, and I am a spiritual and mindset coach. NLP and hypnosis practitioner and a tarot and oracle reader. I have a burning passion with helping you awaken your inner queen and to start claiming your space in this universe unapologetically. I am so excited to share this safe, warm space with you today on our journey towards self-love and personal growth. So if you are curious about spirituality and how to incorporate that to your own self-love routine so that you can start showing yourself full confidence then you are in the right place so are you ready hi anya how are you doing yeah it is pretty warm and yeah it is i hope you're keeping cool i'm really excited to like dive deep into meditation and mindfulness um so yeah could you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you initially got into meditation yes so um I originally trained as, or one of the things I've done is trained and worked as a yoga teacher. And that training sort of touched on the process of meditation without really going into it in any depth because teacher training was mainly about the physical postures. Yeah. Um, so I got to know about it a little bit then. And then I went on to train as an acupuncturist and the whole meditation idea comes into it um, again there because um, it's about processes that help calm your mind as an acupuncturist that help you do your treatments and connect to your patients. So it was also part of that, plus also that sort of, um, what do you want to call it, like a spiritual type tradition that's involved with that idea of um, yeah, reaching into the universe to get as much information from as many sources as you can um, yeah. to help you with your diagnosis and treatment process, but also to help you with how you are in yourself. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I've seen that you were initially um, interested in becoming a vet. So how did you transition from wanting to be a vet into being a life coach or a spiritual coach? Yeah. Um, okay, so I have always, when I was a kid, I really enjoyed being with animals and I enjoyed being outside. And there was a very famous serialized program on TV when I was a kid called All Creatures Great and Small. 
with um, which followed the adventures of a real life vet called James Herriot. And he'd written this whole series of books, which I also read as a kid. And one of the things that really appealed to me about the program was it always showed this vet driving through the beautiful Yorkshire Dales with half a dozen dogs draped out the side of his car. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to be driving around a beautiful countryside with half a dozen dogs draped out of my car. Um, so that means I'm <laughs> going to become a vet. Yeah. Uh, but of course, in real life, it's incredibly difficult to become a vet unless you're really, really, really good at maths and physics and chemistry, because to get into vet school, there's a massive allowed of competition. You've got to get grade A's at A level for all those subjects. And I was just like, yeah, that's not happening. I, I cannot do that. That's not how my brain works. So in the end, it was probably quite a good thing because training to be a vet takes seven years. And at the end of that, you may think, actually, I don't want to be a vet. And the James Herriot way of being a vet, he was a farm vet, you know, which means, you know, stripping off your clothes and get your hands up the backside of a cow in the middle of a cold barn with some yeah. old farmer looking at you. And you're like, in reality, as a female, you wouldn't have been able to do that. That is true. Yeah, I was just reading about it and I was like, huh, interesting. Like you went from being very on the scientific side, which actually like we see a lot in our line of work. People who want to be like a nurse or a doctor or a vet like yourself um, transition into more spiritual side of things. It is interesting. And the, um, yeah, I mean, it was just I suppose in your 20s, you're just trying to, or, you know, late teens, early 20s and things, you're just sort of trying to find your way with things, test different things out. You think you want to go one way, so you try it out, or at least is what I did. I think I wanted to do certain things, so I tried them out. And then after a while, I'm like, no, this isn't really what I want to do. So I changed over to other things. So my, it didn't suddenly slip immediately from vet to, you know, spiritual end of things. There was all a, like a transition in between where I tried out different things and gradually, you know, got myself over in this direction, as it were. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And so when you, obviously you talked about doing a yoga course and, you know, like, was that the first time that you kind of like realized what kind of power a meditation can hold? Or was it more like the calmness is part of the yoga practice? To begin with, I mean, when I trained, I was very much interested in the physical exercise aspect yeah. of it and its ability to calm you down. So that that physical movement process of calming down. And I knew the calming down aspect was a, an important thing that I needed by that stage. Um, and I needed to, yeah, get a better control over my mind when it was getting quite stressed about things so that was the beginning of it um and then i didn't really get into meditation as an actual tool that i know i needed to i knew i needed to use it until my parents were getting well my dad particularly was getting quite elderly and you know he he had dementia you know how much time was there going to be left i needed to try and sort out the barriers in our relationships. And I didn't really know how I was going to do that um, because it was one thing trying to talk to my dad, who was a very self-possessed person who wasn't into all that, you know, connecting mm -hmm. up stuff. You know, that was his generation. 
Um, and then my mum had very serious mental health problems, which means that whenever I was with them, she completely dominated your attention. And I wanted mm -hmm. to have a way in which I could try and connect with dad. So to begin with, I thought if I can calm down mum, then I've got more time with dad, except that yeah. of course you can't really change another person. You can only change yourself. So in the end, uh, my dad, you know, became very ill quite quickly, ended up being hospitalized. So in reality, there wasn't a face-to-face -face type connection I could have with him. I needed to do it some other way. How was I going to do that? So it needed to be on that, should we say, the metaphysical plane that yeah. I, I'm going to imagine that I'm talking to you and that we have some sort of connection and it's not necessarily the connection of conversation where it's a Q&A like you'd have face-to-face. -face. It's more about... I'm opening myself up to try and understand you. And if you can, I would like you to share with me something that will help me do that. And it, so it was, yeah, more ephemeral type of way of doing it rather than direct face-to-face -face conversation. So that was yeah. really the starting point <clears throat> of doing it. And then, and then I, I knew I needed to try and sort out things between me and my mum because she was difficult had been difficult for a long long time and in order for me to cope with her better I needed to resolve how I felt about her and I needed to yes. understand her better but again it wasn't going to be any point in trying to do a question and answer session with her because I wasn't going to be able to get anywhere I needed to sort of slip around behind and try and understand her bigger picture and where I fitted into that picture yes that was sort of like the background of I need meditation to help me overcome my own preconceptions so that I can investigate this from a karma neutral space rather than a biased space so that the information I need will become clear to me. And that was then also the first time that you realized that meditation was more than just for your own benefit. Yeah, to begin with, I knew, well, before I started studying the meditation, yeah, meditation is about calming yourself. And that's initially just what I thought I needed. But once I started working with my teacher, um, I very quickly came to understand there's a much bigger perspective to it. It's not just about calming yourself in this moment. It's about investigating how you are responding to situations where you're responding with anger and you don't realize it where you're clinging or fixating to a particular point of view and you don't realize it, or you're indifferent to what's going on or what has gone on and you don't realize it. And those things are all stuff that's in the way of you understanding clearly what's going on. Yeah. And, and just trying to process what you've just said, like, you just, um, I know how to meditate. But I cannot meditate without guided meditation, if that makes sense. Like, it's very hard for me to, like, focus by myself, uh, either on stillness or with just music. I will need to have someone's voice guiding me through the meditation. So that's why I'm very interested into this and how you go through with your process. So, so you're not using a guided meditation? Well. It's guidance, but it's a written down guidance, which you then have to remember and then apply. 
So you are doing it yourself. You've got a guidance, you've got a framework, you're doing it yourself. So you're not listening to someone else going and then do this and then do this and then do this. You've got to know what to do, have it written down, refer to your notes if you need to. And then that way you're training your own mind. You're not becoming dependent on someone else telling you A, B, C. And will that also be like helpful? If I recorded myself with like what I am thinking, because that's what I personally do when I, you know, I like to hypnotize myself sometimes, for example. So I just record myself and listen to it. Will that help? Like for someone like me? I think that's an interesting way of going about it, isn't it? Because it's, it's hopefully getting into that subconscious mind past all the, the normal barriers and suddenly yeah. these sort of this information that you didn't know was there comes up. And that can be a really helpful realization. So from a, an investigative point of view, yeah. I mean, I haven't hypnotized myself, but I've had hypnotherapy, which has enabled mm -hmm. me to investigate stuff. But in the end, if I wanted to change how I was reacting and responding, I needed to first be able to go, hang on, you're doing that again. And then secondly, go, and you want to not do it again. So you need to do something about it. What is that thing? And then you needed to remember the thing that you're going to do to not respond that way. Um, and then practice doing it, realize where it went right, where it went wrong, and then go, right, I need to, you know, tweak that, revise it, do it better. And those, processes involved a fair amount of reflection. I kept a journal. Um, yeah, my meditation teacher was really good, obviously, for discussing those sorts of things and then going, this is what you need to be focusing on as part of your practice or, you know, here, read these things that will help give you ideas on how you can tackle this. So it's, it's, it's using external sources or I ended up using external sources of information as well as my own internal sources you, you know I think it helps to have both yeah that makes total sense and we're talking about using meditation for reflection and for your personal growth but could you explain us a little bit like how meditation actually aligns with self-love and basically you know using it for self-care as well yeah so I think the beginning comes with why do I struggle with the things that I struggle with? And, you know, what is going on when I thought, I always thought I was a cup half full type of person. And, and now it seems like actually my cup's more half empty than I realized. <laughs> uh, and so you've just got that, oh, okay, that veil's been drawn back. And now you're looking at something that you didn't realize that was there. And that's the point at which you can go, well, what are the things that I do that cause me problems, that make me sad, angry, irritated, what makes me keep driving myself to do more and more things when my body's going, you, you just need to stop and rest. But I would yeah. keep overriding it. So it's, it's about having that time. The good thing about meditation is you get that quiet, calm time and then you can go, well, I was like this yesterday and why was I like this? Or this was happening to me or this is how I responded to my last conversation with mum. 
you know, why does that keep happening? So you can start asking yourself those questions. And then because you're in that meditation process and you've allowed yourself that quiet time, you can ask yourself the question and then just be quiet and see if an answer comes up. Or you can end up read, reading something. So I would be reading texts written by Buddhist masters who are going, when you've got this problem, this is what you do about it. And that's about looking at various emotional states, ways that you're relaxing to things and going, when this is happening, this is how you can change your perspective on it. And instead of going through that whole same mechanistic pattern again, you can step sideways out of the pattern and try something different. But you need to have an idea of what that something different might be. So the meditation process is that time of, oh, you know, this is what's going on and this is why. And then what can I do about it? I'll try these steps. And then because you are, or the method of meditation I taught was very much about strengthening your own mindfulness, mm-hmm. which is remembering what you're meant to be doing at any moment in time, which applies to meditation as much as anything. But then you can take it out of your meditation time into the rest of your life and go, I don't want to feel like I want to explode after every conversation I have with mum. So how can I approach it from a calmer place in the beginning? What do I need to get? Where do I need to get myself to in order to do that? And so in my particular case, to help me do that, I visualized my mum like a tree. She was a gnarly old olive tree, like in a dried up olive grove, Um, not a lot of water, not a lot of nutrients. And the shape that she was a fairly fixed shape, she didn't have many options to stretch or change. And so once I started looking at her from that perspective and go, she hasn't got any options apart from being like she is, but I have options. I can shift myself. That means that then I can respond to her differently. Then perhaps she'll respond to me differently. And so it was this sort of trial and error experimentation of investigating how things worked between her and me, and then Mm -hmm. seeing there were ways in which I could make it easier or better. So that, I mean, it took, and I'm, you know, I'm talking a year or two's worth of testing investigation gradually getting calmer in the way that I dealt with her or being able to recover more quickly after times when she really driven me mad. So it was, so that's all of that is that your own self-investigation, your own self-love process, because you want to make things better for yourself and you can realize that you can make them better for other people as well. At the same time, the two things are in tandem. And then if it's better for other people, then they respond to you better and then it's better for you. So you've got that sort of step, step. We're walking beside each other, trying to influence each other in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it consciously. Mum's doing it in a way subconsciously, but just as a response to how I've been with her. So rather than me starting off with a at the beginning of the conversation before we've even got anywhere, I can try and start with a calmer outlook. It might not have lasted, but we started on a good step, on a good way. I love that. Yeah. So it's basically just like 
she's responding to how you are responding to her, which made her calmer as well. Yeah. So you can start to get those, you know, sort of virtuous circle mm. shifts moving along, um, which make life easier. It, I mean, it's not perfection. Mum couldn't change a huge amount of who she was because of her experiences in her life and how she had dealt with those. But because I came to understand that, I could work from a point of understanding rather than frustration with her. So you were talking about like how you were visualizing her as a tree. Was that really where the shift started to happen with you when you, you know, you seen her as a shriveled old tree um, who needed a lot of water? So basically who needed to be taken care of a lot. You know, someone needed to take care of her in that sense. It really did. Yeah. It was a spontaneous idea that occurred one day during meditation. And I quite liked it because I could, it made a lot of sense of the situation to me. And then it was also an encouragement to me to try and water the plant. Um, to try and give it options so that it could grow some green leaves that could take it in a, a different direction. So it was sort of like um, my mental measure of how I'm, am I doing what I say I want to do in the conversation with her? Am I trying to have calmness, fineness and understanding as much yeah. as I can so that I can try and water this tree a little bit? And um, so that. It just really helped me as a mindful image to keep there, even when things were difficult between us. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like, I would have never thought of a tree. Like, like I said, I can't even, you know, um, sit still and just picture something and be still in my own mind. Like, my mind uh, wanders off. So maybe it is something that I would need to look into for myself. However, like, I would have never imagined, you know, an old tree, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think before I visualized my mum as an old tree, I'd been working on my relationship with my dad and trying to understand him. And his was, <laughs> he, I also visualized as a tree. So the, her tree may have come from his tree, if I remember rightly. Um, so his tree was a tree on its own in a plane of grasses. Um, so my dad was very self-contained type of person and I was trying to understand why he was like that and mm -hmm. he felt well I suppose I really wanted to know if he felt lonely or isolated but actually the the story that came back from the tree on its own in the field of grasses is it didn't mind being on its own because it, it wasn't on its own it was communing yeah. with the grasses it was communing with the wind it was communing with the sky so it was completely and utterly in the right place and completely content with how it was. So I think because I'd got that sort of feel from my meditations on him as a tree, I think that was where like, okay, let's try mum as a tree. What sort of tree is she? That's, that was how it, yeah. how it started. I think it's, um, it's a perfect analogy, I guess, anyway, because there's so many different trees. And for you then to be able to understand the person, if you met or visualize them like that, that's completely fine. Um, 
And for someone, it could be something else. And would you say oh, that's also like the only thing that you've noticed um, changing in your life when you've incorporated meditation? Or was there any other ones that you've really noticed that shifted for you? I think probably one of the other things that shifted was how I looked after myself. So I think I've already mentioned that idea of you got to keep busy, you got to keep pushing on, yeah. you've got a list of things to do, and you know you must keep going through them. And um, so now I'm much better at not driving myself so hard, and I gradually built in, I suppose, like a a mental timetable in my mind of you can do this much work in any block of time. Um, and then when you are start to feeling tired or you're hungry or you're thirsty, you'll start to get these signals. And actually you need to address that as soon as you can. So rather than just going, I'll push past that because I've decided I'm going to work till X o'clock, no matter what, um, I can actually go, no, I'm going to stop right now and I'm going to go and get a cup of tea and some oat cakes to nibble on and then I can come back and do this work. I mean, that doesn't work the same when I'm actually in clinic with acupuncture patients because you do have specific times yeah. you're working with them. But I have built in a proper lunch break and I've built in an evening break so that I, you know, I can switch off and relax properly in those times, which then means I don't get so tired and then the following day because I've been nice to people all day long being an acupuncturist you know the following day I can still be a reasonable human being to my husband <laughs> because I'm not too tired that's amazing because it's so important and I think like we forget that as um especially as entrepreneurs um when you get to decide your own time it's very important to you know, put all those breaks in as well as just, you know, I guess energetically taking care of yourself as you've mentioned to be able to still be nice to our partners. Yeah. And that comes from being nice to yourself first. Um, exactly. If you're feeling rough, uh, it's easy to snap or be grumpy. Yeah. Like that's one of the things that I've done myself as well. Um, I limited my calls. I only have a certain amount of calls a day uh, and only in certain days as well. So I, I have certain days that I don't take phone calls at all or any, like, you know, video chats or meetings or whatever, just to make sure that because I am an introvert and I've learned to work with my own energy, otherwise I'll be like, you know, uh, I start to snap. Um, and be very sensitive and irritable and no one wants that. But yeah, and it's also walking the talk, isn't it? It's if you're yeah. advocating to other people because you can see they're overworking themselves or overjudging themselves, um, you need to go, and this is how I do it and this is why it works for me and then go, and yeah, and actually, am I doing it? Exactly. Like always, always reflect back to yourself to see what you are doing and are you really doing what you're saying are you really walking the talk you know and especially for us coaches it's like you know 
when you're saying things to your clients that whatever that they're doing is not good and you're advising them to set boundaries, um, it's important to look back and say like, well, are we setting that for ourselves too? Mm. Yeah. So like with the meditation that you are doing then, um, I think you've mentioned that you really need to reflect back and that could then help you cope with any emotions that you're dealing with. How can you explain that? Because I think like for a lot of people who may be interested to know more and they kind of know about meditation a little bit, but they don't know how it could help with their anger or their anxiety or stress level or any guilt or shame, you know? Yeah, so... The first part of it comes with the bit that we all know, the bit where you can calm yourself down and you're hopefully in your, you know, what you might call your optimum state of mind and feeling in your body. Um, and then once you've got that sort of settled as something that you know you can get to consistently, then you can start investigating what rocks the boat. What does it feel like? And what does it look like? So, um, in my case, I suppose I had an, a bit of an advantage because we study the emotions in acupuncture. So they have particular descriptions which um, describe their energy, describe their feeling. And so you can go, "What? Um, okay, I think I might be getting this type of emotion because I'm feeling this type of response in my body. And also, rather than just mindlessly responding to a situation, you know, arguing with my husband or whatever it might be, I might actually go, well, hang on a minute. Why are you doing this? Um, investigate how this feels and how you got to this point. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, so in your meditation, you've trained yourself to use your mindfulness to observe how you are. You use your mindfulness to stay focused on your one thing. Um, you just keep practicing. I'm going to keep my focus. I'm going to keep my focus, even though it keeps wandering off. That strengthens your um, mindfulness over a period of time. Then you can use that. I've got a stronger mindfulness process. Um, I'm going to use that to track what goes on. So in my mindfulness, the way I was taught and what I use, I have what's called a mindful watchman. So I train this part of my intuition to track what's going on and tell me when something is happening and remind me that I want to do this a different way. So I literally, you know, it's like coaching anybody. I coach my mindful watchman, look out for this. Um, and this is what you're going to do about it when it happens. So that's how you start to track what's going on. How am I feeling? doesn't matter if you can't label it to begin with. You just know you feel like rubbish. Um, it doesn't have to have a you know, shame, sad, guilt, angry, late. Um, it's just the feeling of I, when I feel like this is happening, this is the result and I don't want that result anymore. So that's when your mindfulness is going, right, okay, so what does the beginning of that feeling feel like for you? So in some cases, when I am concentrating really hard on writing some copy and my husband needs to talk to me, and ask me a question about something I've given him to do, I'm immediately very impatient because my mind's been away on focusing on something else. Yeah. So my mindful watchman's now going, 
remember you're working with your husband here and he doesn't think like you do. So when he's asking you a question, that's because he actually doesn't understand what you've explained to him or he can't quite see the logic of it. So you've got to stand yeah. and go explain it to him or find out what bit he doesn't understand. So that's one of the things my mindful watchman is working on, you know, live at this moment in time. So it is, where does the beginning of that problem come? And how can I flag it up? What can I do about it when it's a tiny problem and it's easier to change its trajectory or how it's going to germinate rather than wait it, we, you know, when it's like out there, it's too late. Yeah. Um, and all you can do then is apologize and go, I'll try and do it better next time. So it's, it's very much about strengthening mindfulness, coaching that mindfulness to be aware of the situations. So not just getting swept away by things, but going, actually, I'm going to step back. I'm going to look, I'm going to step on top of my mountain. So I've got a big 360 degree view. I've got the big picture to see what's going on. So those are lots of little snapshots that you take over a period of time. You can reflect on them consciously within your meditation. You can journal about them. Or you can just go, well, that happened. I'll store that in my memory bank. And, you know, when I need to know or use it again, it will be there. So you can also, you don't have to consciously reflect on things. You can get on with your main meditative process, which mm -hmm. is about bringing yourself to a calm space and holding it in a stable or steady state for as long as you can. Because in that stable, steady state, that's where everything can change if you want it to change. So, yeah, that's how I see it can work. Well, that's how it does work for me, how I've been trained to use it, how I teach it. Okay, so that's also then the meditation technique that you would recommend to anyone? Because I know there's a lot of different ones, like I mentioned already uh, about guided meditation or just music or... I think there's even like one with the chanting part of it as well. So yeah, but whatever methodology you use, mm -hmm. it should still be about being able to bring your mind to a calm space and holding it there so that then you can use that to grow your kindness and compassion for other people as well as yourself. So it's not just about me, me. I, I need mm -hmm. to be calm. It's about your impact on other people. Yeah. Can, can you help them feel calm, good, content? Um, how can you help and support them? Because when you can do that, you get a fantastic feeling inside. Your confidence grows. You feel more solid in yourself because you'll know you're doing something that's valuable and important yeah and that's good for the collective as well yeah and how can we incorporate meditation into our daily life then you know because a lot of people can find it very intimidating yeah i would say you need to start with doing something like a simple course something straightforward it doesn't have to go a long way or be in depth you can start with something simple, test it out and see how it feels for you. Mm -hmm. And it's in the beginning, it's about creating a routine in which you can do it. So I do mine immediately after breakfast, nearly every day, and I just sit down and do it. And 
And it's so that initial course or initial training program is very much about establishing a routine and having a simple process you can follow, which you know works to calm you down. Um, and that helps you realize when your mind has wandered away and you've got something to bring it back to. So you can practice keeping your mind still and knowing when it's going like this and then bring it back and knowing when it's going like this and bring it back. And to begin with, you know, that's what your meditation is. It's going, bring it back, bring it back. Um, And then eventually the bring it back stays and lasts for longer. And that's when you've got that stability in your calm, quiet, peaceful state. And that's when you can start taking things further, like developing your mindful watchman type of idea, strengthening your mindfulness and giving it jobs to do outside of your meditation. So yeah, doing something, you know, you need to find the right teacher, you know, have a look around, see what people recommend, people that you respect recommend, um, see what you would like to do. Um, there's, there's loads and loads of styles and there's probably an overwhelming amount of different, um, ways that you can do meditation. I studied a Buddhist style of meditation because Buddhism has been doing it for thousands of years. So to me, there were the experts, Mm -hmm. they got, uh, a lot of experience and information behind them. So I studied with a Buddhist teacher because I wanted to go to the root source. So that's how I chose mine my person that I studied with and um and you don't have to become a Buddhist in order to study Buddhist type meditation you can still be a student of Buddhism be studying the way that they do things and how they do things because if they mean make sense to how you would like to do things then you can go yep I'm gonna learn from that um but it doesn't have to be you don't have to get too much into the ritualistic side of things so that's how I did mine. So really it's, you know, how do you want to do your meditation? Are you a person who really likes visualization? Are you, to me, people who are very good at visualizing are probably quite autistic. So that may be the sort of meditation that you would be best doing. One that involves a lot of visuals. Um, my meditation tends to be, I would say practical, physical, um, So we do a lot of work with movement and body sensation, but also um, I use mantras a lot because they're a great way of keying up your mindfulness, training your mindful watchman and reminding you've got a a phrase in your head that's gone. This is what you were supposed to be doing in this situation. And you can, you know, your mindful watchman can present that out to you and go, hang on, you are not meant to be doing that. You're meant to be doing this. So those are what I call practical, useful, everyday things in the same way that we would, you know, write yourself a post-it note or, you know, give yourself a list of things to do. That's very much how the meditation works. It's, it's a step-by-step process of calming yourself down, working out what mindfulness you need to use, and then going ahead and using it. Um, Makes total sense. It's like a skill that we practice. Yeah. It's it's like riding a bike, driving a car, you know, you, you choose the right instructor for your particular needs and, and where you are at. Yeah, that makes total sense, to be honest. Yeah. And I know you've been meditating for years now, but have you had any, have you ever encountered that you've started to 
you know, be skeptical of its transformative, uh, shall we say, uh, power. Um, I don't know how to word it differently. Yeah, so in Buddhist thought, the reason you're doing your meditation is for liberation. Um, and so in their point of view, you are, uh, there's a process of rebirth where you are, elements of you are rebirthed over and over again. Um, and in order to escape that cycle of being stuck in this life and all the suffering that's involved, you need to get to liberation. So liberation can also step out of that, you know, belief in rebirth type of cycle. You don't have to go that far with it, but you can still think, I do want to be liberated because I don't want to be suffering in this life, let alone any future lives that I might have. So it's very much about what can I do in this life? Because in reality, when you look around you, you can go, there's a lot around that can make me suffer. Um, a huge amount of things that will be coming down the pipeline, just getting older, getting ill. You know, you don't know what's happening. You might, this time next year, you might have cancer, diagnosis of dementia, Parkinson's, whatever. Um, or, you know, someone very close to you might have that and that's going to have a huge impact on you. So it's very much about, am I ready to face up to those really difficult situations? How can I get myself through them in the best way that I possibly can? Um, and how can I make sure that I'm not suffering too much now by getting myself wound up about things I can't do anything about? Can I be content right now in this moment and build up a, a reservoir of it so that when things do go wrong, you know, perhaps I can draw on my reservoir and that'll be there. it'll be there to help me when things get difficult, because they always do. That's how life is. I completely agree. So what other advice or guidance can you give someone who is listening to this episode right now and who is then, you know, um, interested in the transformative potential that a meditation or mindfulness in general has for them? Yeah. So if working with me sounds like an interesting for you to start investigating meditation. I am in the back end of the process of recording Exploring Meditation Week course, and that is literally seven days for you to stick your toes into the water with how I teach things and for you to learn how you respond to it. How does it feel to you? And is meditation something that you want to go further with? So I have a longer course, a six-month course, which is more of the transformative um, end of things. But, you know, that's obviously a commitment and you need to know that that is what you want to do. So whether it's my course, Exploring Meditation Week, or whether it is, you know, some other way, I just say, don't wait till tomorrow, start today. Just find a meditation in a book on YouTube, doesn't matter where it is, and give it a go. You can start anywhere. Um, because it's an investigative process to begin with and go, well, what do I like? What don't I like? Mm -hmm. Before you can settle on with, okay, I want to travel more in this direction. I want to go deeper in this area. Or I want to understand more of how this works. Then you can start going, right, well, I'm working from a point of knowledge now and experience rather than just looping around in my head going, I wonder if I ought to do it. Just do it. That sounds about right. <laughs> right. Just with any other things, absolutely. Just start. Because the funny part is you need to be content to be 
uncomfortable trying new things for you to see if you actually like them or not. Yeah, that's it. You just, it's uncomfortable when it's new. That's fine. That's normal. And you'll fail. That's fine. That's normal because that's when you learn, you know, what the right thing is to do for you. Exactly. So where can listeners find you if they're interested in the explorative week of meditation course? So my website is www.wisdom-mind.co.uk. Um, on Facebook, my Facebook page is Anya Stoddart, Wisdom Mind, all one long word. So yeah, so that's another way where you can jump in and get to hear what's going on. Perfect. I'll add them in the show notes as well to make it easier for our listeners. So yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Jeff. It's been such an interesting and enjoyable conversation. It's uh, it's really lovely. It's, was, it's a real pleasure being able to talk about meditation. It really is. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Queen podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other queens who could benefit from our empowering discussions. Together, we'll continue to awaken our inner queens and create life filled with self-love, growth, and fulfillment. Stay connected with us on social media and remember, you have the power to unleash your greatness. Keep embracing your inner queen.